It's the Holiday Show Part 2 with the J-Man and Boss Ross. It's our year in review. This is the Double Turn Podcast, and it starts right now. Rusev Udria, Rusev Machka. Yes. Happy Rusev Day, by the way. Happy Rusev Day right back to you, sir. Exactly. Merry post-Christmas? Indeed. This is, as I mentioned, the holiday show part two. This is, of course, the after-Christmas show, pre-New Year's show. This will be the last show of 2018. Whoa. As uh, this year has gone by very fast, as in life, lots of uh, things changing. I moved to Phoenix. You moved to Phoenix. You got a new addition to the family. I got a new car. You did? You yes, did. I did. It's true. The Hyundai Elantra has been good to you. And we started this podcast. We sure did. Dude, episode number 21. It's been a fun ride so far. We've been trying to kill it as best as we can. We hope you've liked it. And uh, we certainly enjoyed doing it for you guys and doing it for ourselves, really. But uh, it's what we do because we're the double turn. We turn doubly. He's J-Man. I'm Boss Ross. Uh, as per usual, lots to cover on this show. It is our year in review show. We compiled a list of things that we thought were the best of this year. I thought about doing the worst, but I also didn't want this podcast to be three hours. That's true. So we're just doing the best of this year. Needless to say, I know that Crown Jewel was obviously your favorite pay-per-view That's of this year. my list. Um, you know, times. Uh, Dolph Ziggler versus Shane McMahon is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in life. And uh, I... Let me tell you something. I thought that the uh, botch of Triple H and Undertaker not knowing who was supposed to go into the barricade was amazing. And uh, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That is that is <laughs> that is that is one of the rotating gifts of Triple H yes. involving the other one where he just kind of smirks during the CM Punk promo where he's like, "Oh, your wife has to make the decisions." He's just like, "Hmm." Mm. It, I mean, it's it was, kind of that rotating gif going thing. That and so. there's another gif that's been going making the rounds lately. It's that uh, is it triple, with him superimposed with the shovel. No, actually, but it is him jumping off the second rope and then taking a boot to the face from Randy Orton, and he's stuck there for like a minute. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yes, it's it, good times. It has very very good times. I think there's another one involving him doing the flare flop. I believe that's also uh, gold. So let me tell you something. Triple H's sense of humor is actually amazing. <sighs> Here we go. The defense of your boy, Triple H. I'll do it till the day I die. Oh, my gosh. I'll put it on there on my tombstone. All I right. My wife, Andres Santiago, and Triple H is my boy. So we're going to treat this podcast very much like a pay-per-view in that that is going to be the just of the – or the gist of the pay-per-view. Yeah. We're going to do it justice. Um, and the gist of the pay-per-view being that – I had my words tongue-tied um, – However, I did start this podcast with the fact that we do have a new United States champion yeah. in Rusev, which was big news this week. Huge news. Um, aside from the fact that we also have other big news this week, which is that Vince McMahon, and I actually truthfully missed this promo initially, which is the fact that we are going to have women's tag team belts in 2019. Oh, I'm sorry, championships, because we can't call them belts in WWE. I've They're always liked the word titles. Can we call them titles? The women's tag team titles? The question is, what color will they be? Oh, that's a good question. I'm I'm guessing they're just going to be white. Yeah, you know. And because it's going to be one set, I would anticipate it's going to be like. There's going to be red and blue on it. 
I would, I would so will it be purple? No, I mean that'd be weird. See, I would just do it like black. Yep. I actually think that would look pretty sweet. That would look very. Cool. Or or you do the white background mm-hmm. with the black strap. Now, now let me ask you this question: Is it going to have the look of the women's championship belt and the WWE and Universal you mean basically, belts, or is it going to have the circular motion of what the current both? tag team title. It's actually going to look like John Cena's spinner belt. That would be amazing. <laughs> Which one? The US title or the WWE title? That, Boom. I still remember when uh, I still remember when Edge had it and he turned it to the rated R belt. That and, was amazing. and then I think Triple H was carrying it around and it was moving and it, it just looked weird. It did. That it did. and then I, I, I will remember to this day that Orlando Jordan blew up the US title, the US title spinner. Oh uh, no, that would be JBL that well, blew Orlando, up the uh, spinner. What was it? Orla- Orlando I, Jordan beat John Cena for the title. JBL blew up the belt. Oh, okay. Well, they were the part of the cabinet, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, yes. It was him and the Basham brothers. Boom. My, uh, yes. my memory is so impeccable. That right was now also for- that was also Jillian Hall when she had that hideous thing on her face. Yes. And then uh, the boogeyman bit it off. That's correct. That was gross. That was dude. 2005 was a very interesting. JBL was a great heel. He was amazing. Yes, yes. absolutely. He, his, his, some of it. So him as a heel is incredibly underrated. <laughs> I kid you not. Like, By the way, this is a huge tangent from the holiday show, but please sorry, continue. I don't, I don't mean no, to it's okay. On, I, it, it, I drove you down this yeah, road, but honestly, he was so good. Like he, uh, the people that he was able to go ahead and get over, even though they didn't beat him for the belt, but mm-hmm. like not that Eddie needed to get more over than no, he, he was. helped Eddie, he helped he John helped, Cena, he, he helped, helped the Booker big T. show, he helped Booker T. He helped, I mean, take, I mean, not that Taker needed any help, but he was the champion for a year, he was champion for 10 months, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And you're right, it he, was 10 months, yeah, but, but he, yes, he was the one that put over John Cena mm-hmm. in an extravagant way, like. Pinned him one, two, three at WrestleMania, and then their I quit match, which is to this day one of the most brutal matches you will ever see, not just on WWE television, just as wrestling as a whole. Mm-hmm. John Cena, listen, the phrase bled buckets is thrown around back in the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era like nobody's business, but you need to understand when you look at a picture of John Cena bleeding from his forehead in that I quit match. Wow, it's intense. And by the way, JBL bled a bunch too. And if I'm not mistaken, JBL, I he said I quit, and then he still took a pipe shot to the face after this, he said I quit. Is, this is back when the move was called the FU. Yes, and, and the, the STFU. Mm-hmm. Ah, the good times. Indeed. So uh that that's pretty much my news section this week is the fact that um, Dan John Cena is coming back on uh, January first, the first episode of the year on SmackDown. Yes. yes, so he is still a free agent. Yeah, and he can show up on either show. He was it, supposed to only show up on house shows. That is correct. I was going to say our report. That's what it was. We reported that two or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It came out of John Cena's mouth in an interview that he was doing. Ross and I discussed this. Either one of two things happened: either John Cena changed his mind, or WWE asked him to go ahead and come back for. Raw and SmackDown as well, which is totally okay. It's the Rumble season, which therefore means it's Mania season coming up. You have to have the face of the franchise, even though he has taken an enormous step back. He is still one of the GOATs. He needs to be there. Clearly, we're going to be setting up the Triple H cameo in the Optimus Prime movie. That would be fantastic. I'll take it any day of the week. (laughs) 
So um, I'm I'm very excited with some of the changes they've made. Yeah. Um, the United States title's kind of been playing hot potato and not really pushed anybody for a while. Yeah. They've kind of propped up the IC title with certain guys uh, winning it, but the United States title is just there. Yes. So you can kind of just run with whoever you want. They gave the belt to Nakamura. Didn't work. Didn't work. So now they're going to try something new, and they're going to give it to Rusev. And which, Rusev uh, has done – it's not like Rusev has had bad reigns. This is now his third reign as U.S. champion. His first reign was unbelievable. I just – I don't I don't need to see Rusev doing open challenges every week. Neither do I. And he doesn't seem like that type of wrestler. However, if you're telling me that we're going to see United States title matches on SmackDown with some regularity, I'll I'm okay it. with this. Yeah. Every other week, I'll take it. Like, I would almost treat that belt as a television title type of belt ah, where you yeah. defend it on your television. And, of course, you can defend it at big pay-per-views. I, was, I mean, I would needed. hope that it would get defended at big pay-per-views. I mean, last year when the fatal four-way for the U.S. title took place at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. I think that was the first time in, like, forever and a day that the U.S. title actually meant something at WrestleMania. And it was Rusev, Randy Orton, Jinder Mahal, and Bobby Roode in that match. Um but I honestly, I don't know about you. I can't remember the last time that the U.S. title actually meant something besides WrestleMania 31. Like, Clearly, it was when Jeff Jarrett wore it in WCW. No, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but I mean, at WrestleMania 32, was there – was it made a big deal? No. WrestleMania 33. Um, the last person to WrestleMania get – WrestleMania 33 prom- was – I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm pretty sure that Y2J and KO had their match for the U.S. title. At WrestleMania, which was great. And then when it was on SmackDown that year, it was good. AJ held it for a while. KO held it for a while. And mm-hmm. then as soon as Baron Corbin got a hold of that title is when it kind of just went down into the gutters. And that was what was so frustrating. And it stayed there up until this point. I'm trying to think of the last guy since John Cena that the United States title propelled him into the main event. Um... I mean, can we really make the argument it really helped KO? No, and, it helped AJ. And AJ didn't need the help. No. I think AJ was there to make the title relevant. AJ to the U.S. title was what Cena did to the U.S. title back in 2015. This year. Uh, this, oh, I'm okay. sorry, last year. That's that's the way I No, I'm saying, it. I'm saying, okay, so, Cena no, was already a main eventer. I'm saying who has won the United States title? And then lost it and was propelled into the main event and became a main eventer after a successful run with the United States title. You have to go back prior to John Cena. And there's only like two dudes, three dudes that I can think of off the top of my head. And again, this was pre-Cena, but WWE days. Booker T, Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Benoit are the only three other dudes besides John Cena that I can think of that the U.S. title helped them get propelled into the main event of WWE. So so basically – John Cena, not not really. So again, the entire point of this is they said they were going to do something different with their Raw and SmackDown programming. Yeah. They have done – we got Quite a, a few good things, yeah. which is the fact that baby faces have been ending shows, winning. I was going to say, and, and Ronda Rousey and Natalia put on a really strong match on Monday night, too. They did. Yeah. They did. Um, again, this was a show. I mean, look, um, I I thoroughly enjoyed Paul Heyman singing last week. Um, him him I, and Braun Strowman have a lot of great chemistry. They like to play off each other a lot. So, I mean, all things considered this week um, for television – wasn't bad. It was no, not anywhere near as bad as I expected it to be, given the circumstances. No, for sure, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. For sure, um, you know, 
NXT had a fatal four-way to decide the number one contender for Shayna Baszler's title, which is now Bianca Belair. Yep, and then they um, had the NXT Tag Team title match, which they made did. Vented, which was a heavy machinery in their last match as NXT uh, Against uh, O'Reilly and uh, Roddy, Roddy Roger Strong. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So, good way to end 2018 for WWE programming. And, not that they're going to listen to this podcast, but if they ever do, Mazel Tov to Sarah Logan. She got married this week uh, to right. one of the War Raiders. I always forget Roe. Roe. Okay. Yeah, she got married to Roe. So congratulations to them. Is that why she's starting to wear the stuff on her face? You know, that would make sense, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, she does. She's always been because uh, well, off. Well, well, she didn't always yeah. wear it. Right. But. but like off screen, you know, she's always been about the Viking stuff and whatnot. But now that you know everything that is going on, that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's cool. Makes sense. Very cool. So congratulations so, to them. Mazel tov. Um, quickly before we get into our, um, basically our lists, which is going to be the majority of the show. Oh man, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think we said we were in agreement for the women's tag team championships in that who is, I think everybody thinks they're just going to give it to Sasha and Bailey. No, 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 no. That needs to be a tournament. No, I'm, I'm not saying give. I'm saying oh, people yeah. think they're the favorites. No, no. I mean, and, they are the favorite. Yes, but I think that they're, they're other competitors that i think here's here's first. here's what i will say yeah i would put them in the finals i agree but i'd have them lose absolutely and there's one team i have in particular that i would lo- have them lose to may i say it uh or mandy you- rose and sonia deville Boom. there you go like it's uh, which they-, they will be showing up on later lists this evening wink wink nudge nudge fair enough just saying so um whenever they decide to do that i personally would, would just do it at wrestlemania I would too. I was going to say because the Rumble's already got too many things going on. You've got the men's Rumble and the women's Rumble. And plus, WrestleMania is the show where they literally like to get everybody on the show. Yeah. And we're already going to have two women's title matches on that show. It it gives you a perfect way to be able to incorporate more of your talented women. Sure. Besides a battle royal, which you know there will be. I will be interested to see because, I mean, look, we're going to have Sasha and Bayley. We're going to have the Iconics. We're going to have probably Nia Jax and Tamina. Um, I mean, not that we're going. No, I'm. I'm yeah, saying that I was going to say we're going to have some Natty very. Ronda. I honestly do. I, I know that Ronda is. You really think Ronda's going to work twice? No, I'm just saying. Because I don't think Becky's going to work twice. Summer, at some point during the summer, whether or not she's still the women's mm. champ, you, I can see her and Natty being there, and then that could be the catalyst of turning. I think Natty we're going to heal. I think we're going to see some very weird teams, but yeah. I think that's a perfect way to do. WrestleMania. Hey, now, was, here's what I will say. Yeah. I will not be surprised if they do a battle royal mm-hmm. to set up the championship match. That so, actually might so, be. So what they'll do is yeah. they'll do a battle royal on like the pre-show. Yeah. And then Have the, the last two teams will face each other later in the night for the inaugural belts. Now, my they question could do to that. you is, would it be like the last four competitors randomly get paired up or it's no. tag teams are determined prior to the show and the tag team. Correct. Okay, cool. Correct. Cause I was going to say that would be really weird if they did it the way that I just and, said. And I think how you would do it is you could have, it's basically the last two in the ring. Yeah. And those teams advance. That would be cool. That way you don't have to worry about both members staying in. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't you agree with you that. more. That's actually a really great idea. So that being said, um, 
it could be interesting what they do with that. Plus, they like having like 27 matches at WrestleMania anyway. Honestly, yeah. So, you know what? I'm just going to Including seven in the pre-show. Because <laughs> it's, it's going to be like a four-hour pre-show. It's going to be a four-hour pre-show. It's going to be an eight-hour show as a whole. Oh, it'll be a full day. It'll be a full, full day. But Ross and J-Man will be here to bring you every single detail of it. By the way, um, I'm sorry to cut no, you off. Uh, it is still weeks away. It's, in fact, it's basically a month away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are both going to be at the Royal Rumble separately. Sweet but we are bro. both going to be at the Royal Rumble. We're still trying to figure out how we're going to do the post show. Um, part tricky. of me thinks we're going to need to meet somewhere. I agree. And do it I think we need to go ahead show. and do Grub somewhere. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long day, man. Oh, dude, I know we're gonna have. That's gonna be honestly. That's a good one of those things that you have to show up at like ten o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, you know. And I've never been to a massive pay per view before, but I remember seeing the behind the behind the scenes of WrestleMania nineteen mm-hmm. and seeing people show up to Safeco at like nine thirty. Now, granted, this is the Rumble and not WrestleMania, but mm-hmm. this is on par. Uh, downtown Phoenix is gonna be nuts, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I am willing to take on that jungle. All right. So um, here is what I want to do okay. to preface this. Um, and that is for our year in review, we have several topics. Yes. Should and the topics I'm actually going to let you do it uh, because you actually kind of came up with most of the categories. I threw in my two cents, but you have the categories. So just sure. do a brief overview of the categories we have for this year in review. Absolutely. So the um, to start off, we have the best WWE male performers. We have best female WWE performers, best NXT performers. The NXT performers, we decided to go ahead and lump in both the men and the women. We have best performance of the year, which means anybody who exploded after one particular um, performance in a match. Um, so we have that for both WWE, WWE as well as NXT. We have our five best WWE matches. We have our five best NXT matches. We have our promo of the year, best talkers of the year, rivalry of the year in WWE, rivalry of the year in NXT, most improved star, uh, men and women, breakout star, um, the best takeover of the year, the best WWE pay-per-view of the year, and um, who we think will be the breakout stars uh, for 2019. So that is the list. Um, we're really looking forward to bringing it to you. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. So here's to us being able to bring it to you. And um, yeah, that's all I got. So um, I think we should go ahead and get started here. Just got to wait for my partner to go ahead and get his all all his information all set to go and all that good stuff. Um, let me tell you this right now. I'm the 2019 breakout stars. Um, we've got a few of them and Roth Ross prefaced it earlier by saying that we've got a couple people on this list. There's, there's some people that have made a little bit of noise in 2018 that are using 2018 as that jump point for 2019. So I'm, I'm just looking forward to being able to bring it, but my friend, are you ready to get into these top five? And where should we start at? I think that we should go ahead and start with a heavy hitter, but not too big of a heavy hitter. All right. So um, for those of you, if that was not clear as mud, we do have a lot to cover. Yeah. There are a lot of things. This is going to be detailed. We're going to try and go through these quickly, succinctly, but also give you a valid opinion for what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. So where would you like to start? Um, I think that if we went ahead and got started 
with um, what do you think was your best? What was the best performance that you saw out of somebody in WWE in the world? Now, hit up again, um, because we have performance and match. Yes. That, it, it, so as I and I'll, let me elaborate a little bit better now that my colleague's back. Best performance to me is somebody who exceeded expectations in a particular match that you were like, that match was great. And this person was the one who really stood out. Okay. Well then in that case, uh, not that I'm coming up with my opinion right now, but just for the listening audience and what the difference between a performance and a match is. Yeah. I got to tell you, um, to me, the performance of the year hands down is Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle versus Triple H and Stephanie McMahon at WrestleMania 34. Great pick, dude. Can't um, even knock that. Just, just, just on this fact, um, this was a big stage for Ronda. It was her first match in WWE. And, and it was at a WrestleMania. Yeah. And she's in the ring with a guy that's broken and can't really go. Mm-hmm. A woman that has wrestled very little and is not really trained. Mm-hmm. And even though Triple H is a trained professional and is still in good shape. He's 48. He's still getting up there. Yeah. Him, so, him and Kurt Angle are both so, the same age. So basically, which that that in itself is a feat given the state of, this, of, of those two men. Right. Um, but when you, when you really think about the fact that that match was Ronda and Triple H. Yeah. And everything else that went into it, and the story, and the pacing, and everything about it, and was crowd. Oh, it was that was that was the best part of WrestleMania 34 for sure. And so to see her come into an environment that's brand new to her, yeah, on the biggest stage in a match where, quite frankly, if she would have sucked, it would have been exposed very, very easily. Quickly. And it, honestly, I think it would have ruined WrestleMania 34 had that match not delivered. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. I think we were all looking at it from afar and it's like, oh my gosh, this saw uh, this match has uh, to us, mm-hmm. I had a feeling like this match could go either one of two ways. Either it can completely bomb mm-hmm. or it could be fun to finally see Ronda in a WWE stage, but let's be honest, it's not like she's gonna do anything too crazy. Right. No, dude, she was awesome. She was awesome. She so, really was. I mean, to me, that's – again – And by the were, way, shout out to Stephanie McMahon for selling like an absolute lunatic for no, – And by the, way, by the way, Kurt – Or Triple H. Again, Triple H did his job. Yeah. Ronda did her job. Stephanie played her part. And Kurt was fine. Yeah. That, so, that was the best match of WrestleMania 30. So, and again, to me, just, just based off performance-wise, yeah. I mean, that's – that, that's the first one that comes. That's the only one that comes up to your list. I so mine. It's actually a tie. Okay. And it's not. I I I don't want you to go ahead and say I'm a copping out because I want you to hear it. It is the tie between Ronda at WrestleMania, and Seth Rollins in that gauntlet match back in February. So if for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, back in February, the week the go home show for Raw prior to the Elimination Chamber pay per view, Monday Night Raw held the first two hours. A gauntlet match mm-hmm. that started from the beginning of it was Seth Rollins versus uh, Roman Reigns. Then after 20 minutes almost, I believe 20 minutes, it was a 20-minute mm-hmm. match between Rollins and Roman. By the way, it's not just a 20-minute uh 
It was boring. No, 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 no. This was Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins putting all their chemistry together they have had over the last few collective years and basically giving you a masterpiece on free television. And then when Rollins pins Roman clean in the ring, which doesn't happen very often, obviously, then the face that runs the place, who is not AJ Styles, but the original one, John Cena, comes into the ring. And what does Seth Rollins do with Seth with John Cena? Have himself another 20-minute masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy. And then what does he do to top that off? He pins him clean in the middle of the ring as well. It's pretty On, good it, sight. It, it, you know, it was an hour. Seth Rollins was in that match for over an hour. Mm-hmm. And he lost to Elias after 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So this whole entire two-hour match of this gauntlet and Seth Rollins was in it for 60%. It's true. And he killed it. And he was going full 100% pace. And it was unbelievable to watch. And then Ross already elaborated on Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. So I don't have to go ahead and re-elaborate it again. But you need to understand that if you watch these two particular individuals in those respective environments and those respective matches, mm-hmm. they were both unbelievable. And they deserve to be tied in my best performance of WWE. Fair enough. Now, NXT. I'm curious to hear who you have for your best performance of the year in NXT. You know what? Again, this is not a cop-out. Yeah. But these two did not make my best matches of NXT. So you might as well put them in here now. Yes. That's fair. Go for it. All right. Uh, I know where you're going. The first match and performance would have made my top five if there was a finish. Okay. Dunn versus Ricochet in at the September NXT. Uh, that's not where I thought you were going, but I'll take it. Also, my second to that is the follow-up a month later with Dunn, Ricochet, and Adam Cole. That's fair. Which also did not make my top five list for that's NXT fair. matches this year. I'll take it. I like Because, that. first of all, uh, it for those of you that had not seen Ricochet do his thing, there you go. Dude is a beast. For those of you that did not believe and still doubt when I tell you that Pete Dunne is the man, there you go. He's the best hidden secret in NXT, and he's not even a hidden secret. And then, of course, you add in Adam Cole, and it makes all that right there. Yeah. So I, so I love that, mm-hmm. and I think that everything that you just said is completely viable. Mm-hmm. Um, and because there were so many great matches in NXT, it's hard to put those two in there, especially the first one because it had a no contest, essentially. Um, However, I was going to cop out and I was going to say that the best performance in NXT of the year was all seven men in the North American title ladder match. I was going to say that, but that would have been way too – Wasn't there only six? Was it six men or seven men? You know what? It was six men. There were seven men in the Elimination Chamber. I'm sorry. It was six Uh, men. Dane, Sullivan, Cole, Ricochet, Dream, EC3. That is correct. Sorry. That's six. Yeah, I apologize. I thought it was seven. But I, so anyways, I was going to say all six men, but then I was mm-hmm. like, no, that's too much of a cop-out. I can't do that. So you'd have to be stupid to not realize how great Ricochet was in that ladder match. Like I understand mm-hmm. that Adam Cole won the match, and by the, by the way, rightfully so. That was the best booking call they could have made. It, it was either him or EC3, and I'm sorry. I love EC3, but Adam Cole's just been – the greatness that is NXT all 2018 along with Tommaso Ciampa. Like he has been the, what is it? The torchbearer for NXT this year, I guess you could say. That's the way that I'd like to say it. But Ricochet at NXT New Orleans in that ladder match, everything that he did, 
all his offensive maneuvers, by the way, on top of that, all the selling that he did for Velveteen Dream in that match mm-hmm. and all the selling that he did for EC3 in that match. Like you watch that match and Ricochet basically died seven different times in it's a 35-minute time span. It's true. And by the way, Adam Cole probably died like nine times, but he ended up <laughs> winning the match. So I'll excuse that. But Ricochet in the latter match was on. Freaking believable, and that's what made me step back and say, "Hold on, okay, Ricochet can go." Yep, 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 yep. All right, um, are we gonna are we gonna tag team alternate this thing, or do you have a direction? Alter- let's, let's all right. Tag team so we've, like so we've done performance in WWE and performance in NXT. That is correct already. Okay, um, I'm going to go with who are your best talkers of the year? Oh, dude, that is just. It's not even funny how easy that is. Okay. It, Miz all day. Miz all day. Okay. We've talked about this on this crowd on this podcast countless times. Miz isn't a good promo. He's a great talker. Mm-hmm. You give him a script, he's going to memorize it and spew it out only as he best can. And everything that has come out of his mouth through his turned upside down W into an M microphone has been diamonds it's that's just all it's been his 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 battles with with rollins his battles with balor Mm. his battles over the mic with daniel bryan all summer were impeccable Mm -hmm. like the match at SummerSlam didn't fully live up all the way to the hype although it was pretty good but it wasn't great like we wanted it to be but the promos between the two of them and and that build towards SummerSlam was unbelievable his Miz TV segments have been absolutely golden. Mm-hmm. Everything that he's been doing right now with Shane O'Mac has been hilarious. His his segments with R Truth have been hilarious. I can go on and on about the Miz as a talker, and he's just been great and consistent. He has okay. been consistent on the microphone all year long. Where sometimes you saw somebody trip up, and the next week they were great, but then they trip up the next week. Mm-hmm. Miz wasn't that. Okay. Um, and then on the women's side, it's Becky. <laughs> Fair Be- enough. Becky sold me on her promo when she cut the first promo against Ronda. As if she hadn't sold me a few weeks prior with the Charlotte feud, mm-hmm. but it was the Becky promos that really set it over for me that I was like, not a single soul can touch her for the remainder of the year. All right. Um I'll pick the easier one first. There were not a lot of great promos in the women's division this year. No, there was not. So by default, I picked Becky Lynch. That's fair. Although, and that's not even saying that her promos have been great. There ha- they haven't been. They've been very good. Now, um, I would say that if she was not as hurt, I would probably say Alexa Bliss would have a good shot of winning this. But she's been hurt for most of the year and has she kind has. of been out of her character. Yes. For part of that. Um, for me, the men's side is also very easy, and it's Elias. Ooh, good one. Because there's there's no way you do not put somebody on TV for their own segment every week unless you either have confidence in them or put them out there to fail, and then they surprise you. Which, actually, I think that's what they did initially, is they said, okay, we'll give you a segment, we'll see if you fail. Well, I think not, what happened... Not saying they want him to fail, right, I'm saying that they put him out there to do that. I think what helped him basically get to the point that you're just talking about was that night in Seattle. The night in oh, Seattle with Kevin oh, Owens and oh, the we're going to talk about that more. Yeah. That I mean that was the not to not to say that he didn't need it. I mean the guy got his own segment at WrestleMania and guess who he got to work with? John Cena. 
You know how many people get to work with John Cena in a segment, let alone a match at WrestleMania? I'm not, they didn't obviously have a match. But the fact that he took an AA in front of 75,000 as a mega heel to the biggest baby face on earth mm-hmm. just speaks volumes of what he is, of how he's looked at in the back. So, no, dude, I totally, totally see how you would go with Elias in this particular situation. Totally with you on that. I like your pick. I love that pick. So, I mean, that's my – that's now, Miz is good, and, right. and I've turned the corner with Miz. You have. But it's Elias. Okay. It just is. What was your promo of the year? The, the, uh, the promo with Elias and Kevin Owens in okay. Seattle. <laughs> it was so good. Though. Okay. Look. I've I've loved Daniel Bryan's promo work at the end of this year yes, with his heel turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Becky's had some good promos. Yeah. Um, quite frankly, AJ's had some very good promos this year. Um, obviously, Paul Heyman cuts promos like he, like he, fire all year. He, he cuts them goat wise every week, and you just can't keep up. Look, I I find it amazing that they don't have more to do for the best promo in that company. The it, best it, promo in the world. I it's true. Yeah. So um, that night, uh, I think people officially turned the corner on saying, this guy's a big deal. Yeah. That being Elias. I think KO was there. Oh, KO's been there, but it was Elias' Um, night that night. But that was a night where you got uh, unique, rabid, consistent booing for five minutes straight over a Seattle Supersonics joke. Clearly, they still want the Supersonics back in Seattle. Well, who wouldn't? I mean, hey, listen. I mean, look, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, bro, and no, Kevin Durant. No, obviously. look, if you uh, if you if you were sad because the Key Arena, which was a dump when they left, yeah, I mean, still there. Oh, I know because they wouldn't do the renovations, and the and the team wanted the city. It's it's a whole thing. It's back to similar things that are happening with the Suns right now. Which who knows? Phoenix may not have a basketball team that soon would be enough. Really frustrating if that. Was yeah, the but case. they stink. Who cares? Yeah, true. But you finally you got Devin Booker and you've got DeAndre Ayton, and this is a wrestling podcast. So we'll talk about that a different day. I'm just saying it's similar, it's and that's true. why Seattle. Yes. No, it was it was a tie-in. I we didn't go on we didn't go on a, didn't <laughs> go on a tangent. <laughs> I didn't cut want me to, off. My bad. I was no, trying to cut you off. I was trying to cut my. That was a cutting myself no, off fine. on that situation. So, um, uh, and again, um, honorable mention is the promo work that actually. The promo from Daniel Bryan where he said the yes movement was dead. He took off the yes plates from the belt and said was that it's the night dead. That, was that the night that he taught that he brought in fickle? Or was that the yes. Night? Okay, cool. Yes, same okay. night. Um now I realize people will say, Oh, that was only that long ago. There were other great promos. Yes, there was. But if you're telling me to pick a promo, I'm still picking the Elias in Seattle promo. Yes. Uh for my promo of the year. So here is the thing that I told myself when I was writing up this list, and I told Ross the same thing. I wanted to make sure that I didn't get myself caught up in the moment. And you're absolutely right. The latter half of this year has seen a lot of great promos being cut, whether or not it was by Becky Lynch, whether or not it was The Miz, whether or not it was Paul Heyman. Um, I'm going to hit you with an honorable mention that is a little bit different than everything else. Again, that's why I'm making it an honorable mention and not making it my promo of the year. But you can't sit here and say that the Roman Reigns promo that he cut when he relinquished the Universal title and he announced that he had leukemia Mm -hmm. can't be in there. But again, because it's a different circumstance, I'm not going to say that it's my promo of the year. But I am going to say that it needs to be mentioned and it needs to be acknowledged because just using this 
not not the leukemia thing. I'm just talking about you let Roman Reigns speak from the heart and be himself. That is when he is able to cut the best promos. And we saw that last year in his feud with John Cena when he finally was able to let loose, even though that first promo against Cena, he got completely wrecked. Mm-hmm. And and and, it, and by the way, it wasn't like Roman cut a bad promo that night. It's just John Cena was Tommy Gunn and a Gatling gun on the other side, Gatling gun on the other side, and just basically not letting off for like six minutes straight. He just completely destroyed him. But speaking of John Cena, he is my promo of the year for the promo that he cut calling out The Undertaker after he lost at Fastlane. Because you just saw the grittiness of John Cena saying like, dude, I've lost all hope of getting a title match. I've lost all hope of getting a great match at WrestleMania. There's only one thing left for me to do in this company and at this show. Mm -hmm. And it's wrestling the undertaker and that promo that he called him out. It was, and actually I, I, I preface only that the first promo, but every week leading up into WrestleMania was great promo of him calling out the undertaker after great promo after great promo. So, but the only the one that really sticks out is the first one. But John Cena calling out the Undertaker prior to this year's WrestleMania was just straight up fire. And Fair enough. Like there was a lot. He went below the belt on a few different occasions, and it was awesome. Yeah, and then he got his ass kicked. It was great. Three minute squash <laughs> match where it had one of the biggest botches of the year where where the big boot completely missed, and John Cena looked loopy as all can be. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Yeah, it's terrible. It happens. It happens, but great promos nonetheless. It happens. Yeah. Um, let us go with most improved. Ah, okay. I'll let you go first. I think I'm actually going to surprise you with mine. Go for it. Hit me, brother. I can tell you right now, most improved guy in WWE, the full package, it's Baron Corbin. It's what? Baron Corbin. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Okay. The guy hit rock bottom pun intended true okay they gave up on his world title push yep they cut his hair they made him a stooge yep his career was over okay and then he main evented october november and december and then okay he became the general manager yeah they put him on tv every week to cut promos his in-ring work i don't care what anybody says is still good for a heel Okay. okay he's got even though, even though I don't think End of Days is his best move, I actually think his best move is Deep, Deep six. six. That needs to be a finisher. I agree, Deep Six, and then I think that him running out of the sliding out of the ring and then coming back to drop somebody with a clothesline mm-hmm. is awesome. Um, so clean. I can I, again. I think where he was. Okay, he's been. He, he became a guy that everybody's like, yeah, I could see him as a main eventer. To now, he's. You know, they could still do something with him. And, and guess what? All it took was him being humbled a little bit, even though his little uh, his his little rant that basically cost him his briefcase, I believe it was about concussions. Yep. Which, again, he's speaking his mind, whatever. I'm, I'm not here to get into that. My point is that when you have a guy that basically hits complete rock bottom and you find or and, and you put him in a position to fail. And he overcomes the odds, yeah. becomes a better promo, still works well, uh, is basically now corporate Kane. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and 
on top of everything else, is kind of a forgotten oddity and kind of held things together on Raw for a little while. To me, now you've kind of recovered him to the point where if you want to transition him out of this role, I mean, he can still come to the ring and wrestle in the vests and whatever. I don't care. That's fine. But the fact is, you made him a more complete character. He rolled with it and he succeeded in a in a business where heels and baby faces are not directly defined and he improved basically across the board. Totally with you. So my so my men's most improved this year is Baron Corbin. Okay. And your women's? Shayna Baszler. Okay. It's the truth. Okay. And okay. guess what? It's for very similar reasons of Baron obviously she wasn't buried, but yes. Okay, she came in as green as a freaking apple, man. No, I mean, let's be honest. She came in as Ronda Rousey's friend. Yep. Well, I mean, the, the three horsewomen. Mm-hmm. It was like you sign me, and you have to sign my friends. Mm-hmm. That's basically what now, it seemed like. That doesn't mean that Shayna Baszler was not talented, but she's but she's green. She's not Ronda. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So you took a green character, mm. you put her up as the submission specialist. You slowly got her towards the title. Yeah. She wins the title. Then she loses the title. Gets better and then wins it back. Okay. She cuts halfway decent promos. I'm not saying she's the best promo, but for that character and how she's basically like the bully character of that division. Right. Her work's gotten better. Her promos have gotten better. Um, Her actual wrestling has gotten better. Can you – let me – Completely unrelated, but I got to ask you this question. I'm mm-hmm. curious to hear your answer. Would you say that right now she's a better wrestler than Ronda Rousey? You could, I mean, that's a good question, isn't it? I'm not, I, I, I think they're asked to do different things. Okay. I think if they, okay, I think Shayna Baszler is doing her UFC gimmick and she's allowed to do that because gimmick. Because she's a heel. Now, once Ronda turns heel, I think you will see her become even more. Because right now she's doing things that are very. Baby face like. Yes. A lot of throws, a lot of slams. And I think, and even though you can do like the judo throw and the judo slam and a bunch of other stuff that you can do, mm-hmm. you can turn that into a very convincing heel character. Yes, you can. And I think she's going to become very vicious. Absolutely. So it'll be really interesting. And again, I think Baszler has to evolve her character when she comes to the main roster. But mm-hmm. right now, it works. And where and the position she's put in, to me, she's the most. Now, again, Ronda's been. Tremendous. Yeah. So if we're saying main roster, it's Ronda. Right. But if we're saying all the WWE, so so maybe I kind of cheated. No, no, no. I totally But, I'm but with for you. me, it's Baszler. I'm with you. Okay. So. That's fair. So here was the thing. I was the one that came up with this topic, and then I kind of got myself a little bit confused because I went ahead and took most improved and breakout and put them together. So when Ross and I were discussing this, I realized he had most improved and breakout. So I then had to kind of sh- switch up my my pick a little bit. So most improved, I'm actually going to surprise you because, because of where he is now and not because of where he is last year. And that's Drew McIntyre because Drew McIntyre got called up in April to Monday Night Raw because the last half mm-hmm. of 2017, as we all know, he was in NXT. So I'm not saying that he has improved from NXT into WWE, although he has, but obviously he came in and he was – the ass kicker that he's been over the in the at the ending scenes for the past four or five years. The reason why I'm saying that this most improved thing goes to Drew McIntyre is because how he has transformed himself upon his return to World Wrestling Entertainment from where he left back in what was it, 2012, 2013, right around mm-hmm. there, where he was 
in 3MB. He was not anywhere near as ripped as he is right now. He wasn't anywhere near the great character that he was meant to be in WWE when he first got signed back in the day. And you see him now, how much he's improved, how on, like, basically this man is on the cusp of winning the Universal title within the next 18 months, maybe 12 months, mm -hmm. let's be honest. Like, if Brock Lesnar was not around, don't be surprised if you were seeing Drew McIntyre main event as the heel champion going into WrestleMania. Like, that's how much this man has improved from back in the day before he left WWE the first time. He's been absolutely killing it. His promos have been awesome. I can't even express how many times how great Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre were as a tag team this year. And it had to do with both men just absolutely nailing everything that they were supposed to do. Um, and it's, yeah, it's Drew McIntyre as most improved on the women's side. Carmella. It's a good pick. It's it's from where she was in NXT with Enzo and Cass. And then when Enzo and Cass got called up, you know, WWE was forced to look at her and say, okay, what are we going to do with Carmella? Are we actually going to have her be a wrestler or are we just going to have her be just one of those throwaway people that are basically not going to do anything? And she worked hard in her wrestling. She's obviously worked hard, very hard on her promos. Um, I remember when she was in NXT, she won a battle royal to win a so – she won a battle royal to be the number one contender to Bayley's um, NXT World uh, – NXT women's title. Um, and she had a good match with her and she consistently continued to get better. She came over to SmackDown as part of the, for, uh, as part of the brand split back in 2016. Everybody was like, okay, it's just a blonde who can do the moonwalk. And then all of a sudden she turned heel on Nikki Bella and all of a sudden you started to kind of realize, huh. She might not be too bad. Then she had James Ellsworth on her side, and you were like, what is this all about? She won money in the bank in 2017, and people were like, what? Even though I knew she was going to win it because I knew exactly where WWE was going with her. It's like, okay, they see something in her. Let's see what happens. She consistently got better in the ring. She consistently got better on the mic. Her matches, her, her performance in the triple threat, at SummerSlam mm -hmm. is completely underrated. People view that as the beginnings of Becky and Charlotte, but you have to realize that were it not for Carmella's work, that match wouldn't have been anywhere near as good as it was, even though it was Becky and Charlotte, but you have to fully understand and appreciate what she did. And her work in the first mixed match challenge this year with Big E was phenomenal. And then her work with R-Truth this year has been phenomenal. I mean, she's the number 30 entrant in the Women's Royal Rumble this year because she did a seven-second dance break with R-Truth. If that doesn't speak of the great charisma that she possesses and is able to exude out there, I don't know what does. And it's just been really, really impressive to see her grow as a performer over the last basically two or three years. So she's most also been great as well. Yeah. So most improved, definitely Carmella on the women's side for sure. All right. Um, now, and that doesn't include the fact that she actually won the women's title, the SmackDown after WrestleMania. All of New Orleans she was has, going nuts. She has clean pinfalls over. Actually, she beat Charlotte twice and she beat Oscar twice. Yep. And uh, did she actually? Pretty sure. So she had a tag team match with Natalia earlier this year where they beat Becky Lynch and Naomi. Okay. But I don't know who got the pin. I don't it, remember As to either. whether or not it was they pinned 
I don't think Carmelo's pinned Becky. Doubt it, but I don't think there so. you go. Okay. Um, let us go with Oh, the feud. Boom. Best feud. Dude. Okay, I can tell you right now okay. that um well, yeah, okay. Tell you what. I'm going to be upset if you don't pick my pick for NXT. Okay. It's Gargano and Champa. It, that's not even a question. Right. Like, can we just like I was gonna be upset if somehow you said Velveteen Dream and somebody. I, I actually would have been violently upset with you. Do you, do you honestly think I'm that dumb? <laughs> like I'm not listen, dude. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a so, wrestling fan through and through. So, like if you don't think that Cargano and Champa had the best rivalry of the last five years, you're out of your mind. By the way, uh side note on talkers, um big bad Tommy C is pretty high up there too. Absolutely. He's okay. Been killing it all. So there. I don't mean to take away what you're doing. I just want to kind of say that it is Ciampa and Gargano, and everybody knows why. If you're a wrestling fan and you're listening to this podcast, we don't need to spend 10 minutes explaining it to you because they had at least, what, four matches? or No, it, it was three, three. matches. Two of them were five stars, and then the last one was either four and a half or 4.75. Yeah. Uh, so that is the feud of the year in NXT, and it's not even close. It's not even close. All right. Uh, I'm going to surprise I do have that as my few. I am going to surprise you with my main roster one. I'm curious to see because it was a little short. Okay, and it kind of stopped out of nowhere. But for the months that it was there, mm-hmm. it was the best thing that held one show together. That every segment they were in was, was gold. Was gold. Okay, I know who it it's is the going. Shield versus the Dogs of War. Okay. Period. I, I, I'm not even going to knock Okay. That. When okay. you when you put Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Roman Reigns in any segment on that show involving two of them, four of them, six of them, those, you know. The chemistry between the six of them was outrageous. And, again, it was short. Was it, though? I don't think it was that short. I mean, it started the night after WrestleMania, and then it lasted through mid to late October. So it's like a two-and-a-half-month stretch, and not to mention – you mean SummerSlam? I'm sorry. What did I say? You said WrestleMania. My apologies. You know what I meant. Sorry. SummerSlam. Okay, but still, I, yeah. a feud that went from SummerSlam to October is still short. True, but when you incorporate the fact that Rollins and Ziggler were feuding like at least a month and a half prior to that. And of course, Braun, and of course Braun and Roman were kind of starting their thing. Going yeah, Roman and, and, and Braun had an epic rivalry last year, and they restarted it back up this year. So and, that, like, and that kind of brought Dean back into the fold, and it brought Drew into that situation. So, I mean, realistically, you had six main eventers. Yeah. Basically, running rough shot over. I mean, with the exception of Elias, and there were a couple other things on Raw that were good. Kevin Owens at that point, yeah. Um, and uh, actually, actually, Ronda was still good too. Yeah, but for the most part, all of the important segments that those six were involved in during yeah. that feud was the best. So to me, that is the feud of the year in WWE. Is 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 that is that three? Is those those two? Uh, Three-man groups. That's fair. Um, and see, I you know I like your pick because it was not your typical. Because that's the that's the problem with people you know looking at the feuds. It's like they go with the obvious ones, and it's sometimes when you go with something that's a little bit understated and may have been shorter, but it was explosive when mm-hmm. it was on screen. Is great to go with. Um, I was originally going to go with the Miz and Daniel Bryan. I was originally going to do it's that. It's a good one. It's a great one. But here's what happened. After their SummerSlam match, and you and I talked about this on countless episodes of this podcast, the feud really cooled down, especially when they brought in Brie Bella and Maurice. Oh, 
I would I would argue it basically poured water. It, it it's it's like it's like we had a hurricane yeah. come right over a volcano. It was hurricane five, category five, and then all of a sudden it turned into like a small downpour. Oh, I was like just gonna say it was a volcano and then a cat five hurricane like completely extinguished the volcano. Exactly. Oh, that's a great that's an even better uh, analogy. Thank you for that. Because it it it, it just it was troublesome for me to be able to see that so i have to take away from i have to take it away um because even their super showdown situation didn't help mm-hmm. um and i have to go and i didn't want to do this but i didn't want to get myself caught up in the moment but you'd have to be dumb to not think that becky and charlotte has been one of the best things in wwe in a while especially in the women's division um I mean, their half of the TLC story was great. Obviously, their last women's standing match at Evolution was awesome. The, the heel turn at SummerSlam in itself was pretty, really, really cool. Just the story was all there. You know, we've seen it before, but it was this time the other way around, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, Charlotte turned heel on her back in 20, what was it, 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then to see Becky turn it around and then actually see the crowd react the way that they did to Becky, which is something that people have been waiting for for a really, really long time for her to finally grab that brass ring and have the crowd at the palm of her hands. So that, that feud really has set the women's division and has translated from SmackDown to raw, especially with the whole situation with Ronda Rousey, you know, you can't, you just, it's been, it's been too good to ignore. That's the best way to say it. But it's been Charlotte and Becky has been just too good to ignore. And that is my feud of the year on the main roster. All right. So because I want to end with the big three, yeah. which is performers, pay-per-views, and matches. Yeah. I'm going to go with breakout oh, yeah. predictions. Um I've got one sleeper. Okay. Like complete sleeper. Okay. And I've got another one that I think will totally break out on the men's side. Okay. And then I actually tried to find a way to not pick these three women, and I can't do it. Okay, fair enough. So, um, 2019. Okay. I think we are going to see big things from Ruby Riot. We've said that on multiple occasions on this um, podcast. I am telling you right now, they are grooming Mandy Rose to be a champion. I agree. It is going to happen, and I think also, as my other throw into that, I think we're also going to see Sonya Deville have a very big year. If Mandy Rose has a big year, Sonya Deville's also going to have a big year, because I don't think they're going to spend it and, and what's funny is, I remember the Elimination Chamber match that they were both in, yeah. and I remember saying, Sonya looks good, and Mandy's still got some work to do. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's the other way around. Yeah, isn't that funny how that happens? And that's not saying that Sonya's regressed. It's, I think Mandy's just gotten that much better. Yeah. I mean, that running knee looks vicious. Well, just aside from that, I think mm-hmm. they've put her in the position to say that they think they have big plans for her. And again, there are much talent. There are much more talented wrestlers in NXT and, and on the main roster. But I think, I mean, look, I know this is 2018, but looks still do matter. Okay. And when you look like that and you're getting better at your promos and your work, it doesn't hurt you. Mm -hmm. So I'm just telling you, 
the way she looks and the way she's progressing, there are big things on the horizon for her. And again, that's not saying, again, I added in the fact that Sonya Deville and Ruby Riot have been progressing very nicely. They do not look like Mandy Rose. I am not trying to be shallow. It's the truth. So I see big things for all of them. I think they won't all be women's champions this year. Ruby Riot's going to be champion. But I think Ruby Riot will be a tw- will be a champion in 2019. I think uh, I could see the other two being the tag champions. We just said that at the and beginning. And at least, show, at least yeah. making the progression into that, hey, we see them as being in main events for titles. Right. You know, maybe in groups or in you know fatal four ways or you know, which is necess- which is not a bad thing. No, no, you I mean, still get the exposure. And then um, on the men's side, um, I think we're going to see even bigger and better things for Elias this year. Agreed. I mean, you could say that he was a breakout on his promos this year. I think we're going to see a lot more of his wrestling this year. If Elias doesn't win the Intercontinental Championship in 2019, that's a travesty. I agree. And I think that character and the progression and the trajectory that he's on, as I like to use big words on this I love podcast. It. That's a, you're a well educated man. I have, Go I've, for it. I've not used the big bad D word yet, though. Uh, we need to. Because it's been, it's been absent on this podcast for a couple weeks now. <laughs> hey, hey, I got called out for using it every week. So. I did, thought it was great. That's why I called it out. Hey, and I've, what, it's been, what, a month? Unfortunately, bring it back. <laughs> Maybe I will. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to see Elias as a world champion in 2019, but I think that path mm-hmm. is going to be much more clear for him going forward. I think he's got all the tools to do it, but I think they need to showcase him more as a wrestler this yes. year, and I think they're going to do it. My complete sleeper this year, uh, if you do not watch NXT uh, or you did not watch TNA when he was there, I actually think we're going to see big things out of Jackson Riker this year. Okay. Big sleeper. He used to be known as Gunner. I've talked about him on the show several times. Right. Um, they pushed him to the moon in TNA. They had him have clean wins over Sting, some other people of that company. Right. Um, he's part of the group called the Forgotten Sons. Uh, we're going to see a mass exodus from NXT. Uh, within the next calendar year. Which we got to be careful with WWE because there's so much talent already on the main two shows that mm-hmm. if you bring in that big of an influx from NXT, it's just going to... Okay, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Okay. They lost Lars Sullivan. Right. I'm not saying Jackson Riker's going to be the monster of the show. But, but he, he's a good candidate. But he's a guy that you could put in a position where he's just going to just mow through people. Because you always need monsters for the good guys to slay, True. always. And even if you push him as a babyface, which right now he is, you could it could be a NXT's Braun Strowman. Last time I checked, and again, last time I checked, yeah. If you booked a babyface mm-hmm. that beats everybody, yeah, that wins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that talks trash about the bad guys, yeah. Follows up his trash about the bad guys, and you book him to win titles. The guy gets over. What a what a wow! What a what a massively brilliant concept that is. Agreed. So it's been kind of a slow roll. They've kind of had uh, Cutler and Blake, which by the way, Blake is the same guy that was with Buddy Murphy, who is also on the improved list this year. Massively, I mean, he was about to be cut, and then they put him in, in the, then they put him in two hundred five live, and what a year it's been for him. I don't want to leave him out. Mustafa Ali's had a great year. Cedric, Cedric Alexander's had a great year. Half the 205 Live law. Drew Gulak's had a great year. Grand Metalik's had a great Lindsay year. Lindsay Dorado's been absolutely murdering. The Lucha House Party had a great year until they were overused on Raw. Right. But um, 